0: Hey, welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. We are so happy to have you tune in for another incredible sermon. Let's tune in together. My name's Brett. Welcome to church today. Come on, Saints Church. Uh, I'm excited that you're here, and we're excited to be together. Uh, No matter what device or time slot you're watching on, uh, this is a place for us to connect as a community where we gather around the scriptures, which is God's word. It's transformative. It changes us from the inside out. It gives us a new way to think and a new way to look at life because we see in a whole new way. We're in a series of messages or talks called Saints Anatomy, and and we're really wrestling with a couple really big questions. What does it mean to to be a Christian right now? In the world that we live in, what does it mean to be a Christian, and what does it look like to be the church, to do church? Because I think we're all aware that COVID has ripped the mask off of our faith. It's exposed us, and I'm not just talking about Christianity in general. I'm talking about Christianity... uh, In my life, my faith journey has been exposed. What is it that I actually believe? What is actually important? So while many of us might be in the process of deconstructing, I believe that we can be in the season of reconstructing and building on God's word, which is the best idea for all of us. So why don't we jump into the message today? We've kind of been using Romans 12, verse 4 and 5, Uh, predominantly as our our thesis statement, if you would. So let's jump there now. Romans 12, verse four, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We belong to one another. This picture of the church as uh, a body that We each have a role. We each have a place. We each have a function. We each have a responsibility. And I love that last line of verse 5. We all belong to each other. That's speaking of our relationship, our connectivity. It's speaking of, you know, there's there's words that uh, are kind of old school that have been forgotten. Words like fellowship. Now, for me, fellowship oftentimes meant like a, a an open-faced sandwich on a Sunday night with Pentecostal peach juice after church in old church basement. Uh, but that's not really the definition of the word. It's com- it's camaraderie. It's friendship. It's something deeper. We all belong together. My boys, uh, Everett and Kingston, eight and six, they've been watching this show uh, called Operation Ouch, and it's these two twin brothers. They're doctors. It's from the UK. And they're just like, they're using it to teach biology. They're using it to teach the body. They do all kinds of crazy experiments and at-home things. They were analyzing each other. They went on different diets, and they are analyzing each other's fecal matter, which was very exciting. You know, in our household, I could only imagine uh, how smelly it is. But, but the truth is, that's what we're doing in Saints and to be. We're we're analyzing, we're looking at Christianity and church in the light of what we've seen and then in the light of Scripture. Where are we now on this timeline of humanity and and how does the Scripture apply? Pro tip, Scriptures are timeless truths for everyday life. We can build on a uh, a sure foundation. Jesus is that sure foundation. So let's look at what it is to be the body. As we start, just to define some terms, "ecclesia" is the word used in scriptures for church. Uh, It's the original language. It means called out ones. Uh, It means called out of... a personal place, out of a comfortable place, called out of a home into a public square. So the idea of, of Christianity, the implication of the church is that we are a body, that we are following Jesus, that we are a movement, not just an organization, that we are moving forward, following Jesus, moving into his plan and moving into his purpose, and, and that we just keep moving forward. And that for this season, Jesus wants us to move forward and we each have a function. We are each play a part in us moving forward. The church is, we find this in the book of Ephesians, the church is God's plan. It's God's idea, and it's described as as a bride, and it's described as the body, speaks of the relational nature of the church, that we are connected deeply in relationship with Jesus, and that we are the ones that are carrying out his will or carrying out his purposes. So let's just jump right in. We're going to really spend time in Romans chapter 12. If you're with me, turn to somebody and just say, I'm with you. And if there's nobody with you, just look at me, straighten the screen and say, I'm with you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. imperfect. So as human beings, we are trichotomous beings, which means we are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. As we understand how we all fit together, we have to understand ourselves. There's a degree of of self-awareness in this. And what does it look like to be a Christian? It looks like to be a Christian and to be fully devoted, to, to be one who's wholehearted and every part of us following Jesus uh, in the greatest commandments. They said, "What's you know?" Jesus was caught in this like legal altercation. They're trying to trap him on a technicality. and said, what's the greatest commandments? He said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and everything that is within you. So what does that look like? Paul lays out in Romans chapter 12, each layer of our body, our soul, and our spirit. We see it in verse one. It says, and so I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind who will find acceptable. So he's talking to us about this, this physical shell that we occupy, meaning use your strength, using your ability, that there's a natural giftedness in you. Give that and everything that you do with your body, let it be for worship. Let it, let it be done as an act because when you do it, when you're following Jesus and you're doing it out of that relational place, you're actually worshiping him. Uh, John 4, 24 talks about worshiping in spirit and in truth. We can tie the idea of, of, of serving God with our bodies to worshiping in truth. So what does that also mean? There Is there, is there moral implications? Absolutely. It means that there's a call to sexual purity, there, there is a, a call for those who follow Jesus uh, to worship Him with every aspect of their human body to be holy like He is holy, to follow me as I follow Christ. And that there's a transformation that's happening, but the transformation isn't happening from the outside in. It's happening from the inside out. That's how we know it's, it's transformation. Uh, if, it's, if you're bending to outside pressure, you're conforming. If you're being formed on the inside, you are transforming. And so he calls us to worship with our body and then he moves into the soul realm. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. It's interesting in Isaiah 55, it says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. When we start thinking God's way, We start thinking about our life the way that God thinks about our life. We're thinking God thoughts about us, not just our thoughts about us. He wants to change the way that we think or that we process. I love this thought from Dr. Warren Wearsby on this, this idea. He says, in the Christian life, doctrine and duty always go together. We must translate our learning into living and show by our daily lives that we trust God's word. So when we're thinking about the soul realm, we're, we're, just to define the terms, we're talking about body, soul, uh, spirit, are the three parts of us as humans. The soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, change the way that you think. Let God change you. Let him transform you. Why don't you start thinking God thoughts about you. Uh, God thoughts about his direction for your life. It all of a sudden changes the parameters for us of what success is. And he continues in verse 3. He says, "Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning." Okay? You ready for this warning? Red alert. This is this is a tough one. This is going to sting. He says, "Don't think you are better than you really are." <laughs> wow, that's like a dagger through the heart. He said, "Don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves measure yourselves by the faith God has given you, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So there's the context, there's the picture. The picture is this, don't think of yourself uh, more highly than you than you ought. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, meaning God has given each and every one of us a spiritual gift, and we're gonna get to that in a moment. He's given us a place to fulfill in, in our family, in our church, in our tribe, in our gathering, and each part is necessary. As a church, we are a body. Every part of the body is necessary. If my heart stops working, my whole body suffers. So every part of our body is important. So we don't value others (laughs) over any one part. Let's continue in verse six. He says, in his grace. This now talks about the spirit level. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, he said, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously, If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So in Romans 12, we we don't find a comprehensive list of the spiritual gifts. You can find more in 1 Corinthians 12. But we find an operational list. We find an illustrative list. He's trying to make a point. That if we're gonna love God as the church with every part of ourselves, that every part of us has to be on board, and that from a mind will perspective, that we wanna be in alignment, thinking like God thinks, that will dictate and drive the way that we use our bodies, and will also dictate and drive the way that we use our spiritual gifts, which God has given each one. He's chosen different gifts for different people in different measures. And and what Paul is saying is use what you have to the best of your ability and develop it. Understanding that they're all important. Uh, We could jump down to 1 Corinthians 12 if you want in verse 28. It says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? And verse 30 says, of course not. Of course not. It's not about all of us having all the things all the time. We need one another. We are a body. We are connected. That's what it says in Romans 12:5. We belong to each other. We will only accomplish what God has for each one of us when we do it together. Our lives, our destinies, and our stories are interwoven together. Why? Because we are better together. Now, there is a a pendulum that happens if we want to talk in regards to the spiritual gifts. There's a pendulum that happens where uh, some of us might really function, and we know exactly what we've we've got. We know exactly how to use it. We're proud of it, and, and we use it often. And in terms of our spiritual gifting, it might even be one that is more public. And so uh, we get very confident in it, and we're very declarative in it, and uh, we just do our thing. And, and at some point, if we're not careful, and this is what he's talking about when he says don't think of yourself as better than others, at some point, it kinda, we kind of get proud of it. And we get proud of it not only in like, I'm a proud of it way, but in like, I'm proud of it kind of way. And I'm going to let everybody know that when I walk in the room, that the spiritual gifts walk into the room, that a spiritual authority walked into the room, you just watch me do my thing. And if you make room for me and you make space for me, then it's all going to be all right. It doesn't work that way. Because every gift is valued. Every gift is important. We have to make room for every gift. Dr. Warren Weersby. Uh, pastor for decades wrote one of my favorite Bible commentaries. He says this: spiritual gifts are tools to build with, not toys to play with or weapons to fight with. I'm going to say it one more time because it's so good. Dr. Warren Weersby: spiritual gifts are tools to build with, not tools to pl- Not sorry, not toys to play with or weapons to fight with. They're tools to build with, so what are we building? We are building the church, we are building one another, and when we build up one another, we are building the church. Our gifts are accepted and then used or exercised by faith. By grace through faith. We find this Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. By grace through faith. It's the grace of God that you have the gift, and it's through faith that you operate in it. On the other side of the pendulum is we are missing our brothers and sisters. We are missing members of our family. We're missing you who are not confident in the gift that you have. You're not confident in who you are. You don't think that God would give you a gift. He's got a gift for you. There's a spiritual gift for every single person. It's over and above. Of your natural abilities, but it requires an activation. It's activated by faith. It's used by faith. It's received through grace. God gives it through grace, but we use it by faith. It's going to require a step of faith. It's not going to require a personal confidence. It's not about a bread confidence. It's about a God confidence. And can I tell you, we desperately need you we desperately need you to step out in faith, to be the person that God created you to be. Our family is not our family without you. We use our gifts to build the church. We build our church by building others up. This is 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. Verse 27. All of you together, (laughs) all of you together are Christ's body. All of you together are Christ's body. If one part suffers, the whole part suffers with it. So on the spectrum, what side of the spectrum are you on? (laughs) I mean, maybe we should make this like an Instagram thing and you just pick what side of the spectrum are you on. Are you proud in your gift? And by proud, are you overconfident? Are you overcompensating? Maybe you're overcompensating in your gift because there's an insecurity that's lingering in you, and I just want to encourage you to give up that insecurity to Jesus and hold on to him, understanding that your gift's not the most important. Jesus is the most important. But we need that gift. We need what you bring, but we need you to bring it with humility in a spirit of grace because it was given to you by grace, used by faith. I'm thankful for the faith that you have, Maybe you could teach some of us who who are a little not as confident. We don't have that faith. Maybe you could say, hey, these are the keys to my faith. These are what makes me so confident in what God is doing. For those of us who are on the other side of the spectrum that says, I'm nervous and I'm afraid. I don't know that God can use me. I want you to know that for generations, since the beginning of time, God has been using underqualified people. But when God calls you, he qualifies you. He's chosen you. He wants to use you and we need you. Your city needs you. Your neighborhood needs you. Your family needs you. You think that the spiritual gifts, I think all of us, we put things in boxes, right? And we think that all these things are just for you know church. No, it's for at home. Your kids need you to be that mom who's full of faith, fully active in her spiritual life so you can teach them what it looks like to live a spirit-led life. Empowered by God. So <laughs> as we as we look at these ideas, body, soul, spirit, we understand that we're building the church and that we're building our lives, and that as we build into others' lives, we're actually building the church. We'll do what Dr. Wearsby says, and we'll take our learning and we'll turn it into living. And we can look at some basic attributes or values of of what we're building as a church. It's a new season for us as Saints Church across every location. So who are we and who do we want to be? Who are we? Who do we want to be? When we explore some of our values, I think one of our values without question is that we do our best and then some. That's who we are. We're people who do our best and then some. We are all in. We we just go for it. We're like, listen, I'm gonna give my everything. I'm gonna trust Jesus with my whole heart. And I'm gonna step out in faith. He gave me these gifts. I'm gonna step out. I'm gonna use them. I'm gonna be activated. We do our best. We do our best in our in the natural, and then we watch Jesus pour out some of the supernatural. Remember that the supernatural is not only defined by the spectacular. It's what happened whenever. It's what happens whenever. Jesus gets involved. And so we do our best. We give our best in our natural abilities, in our spiritual abilities. Why? Because when we give our best, we're honoring the Lord and we're honoring the body. We're honoring our friends in our neighbors. We're honoring those around us. And come on, one of our values, we get better every week Every week we get better. We take a step forward. We're not afraid to stretch ourselves, to try things, to explore things. I always think about uh, that soldier in Matthew five. It says, "If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two miles." Now, this is a this is that statement alone lost Jesus some followers on social media. Like that, that statement alone wrecked it for everybody. They're like, listen, this is an oppressor. This is somebody who is, who is, uh, who's not for us. Any soldier at any time could pick any random citizen and say, listen, you need to carry my gear and you are legally obligated to carry it for a mile and then you could put it down. And Jesus said, listen, In the face of what looks like oppression, in the face of what appears to be someone who's turning things against you negatively, in terms of what seems like bad luck, if you believe in that. What looks like a negative situation, Jesus says, listen, how about you honor me in your work? Do your best. Go one more mile. Show him my love. My love goes one more mile. My love is not limited. My my love is limitless. Why don't you show my love, my mercy, my grace? Why don't you demonstrate what I've done for you? Don't just do one mile. Do two miles. Show the the, show the best, show what the best of humanity looks like and the best of humanity looks like Jesus. We do our best and then some. But to do our best, we have to believe the best. <laughs> to do our best, we have to believe the best. We have to believe the best of one another. We have to believe that our friends, our neighbors, our family, those who are in our church and those who are on the street, we we believe that they mean the best. We're going to honor them in the way that we think about them. Uh, I I just want to read you Romans chapter 12. This is going to be verse 9. And to me, this defines this thought. To do our best, we must believe the best. Just check this out. This is a church that I want to go to. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection. And this is it. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. We do our best and then some because we delight in honoring one another. We work hard. We are never lazy. Why? Because we are honoring the Lord and we're honoring those who have not yet met him because we have the privilege church of creating atmospheres and spaces and places where people can encounter Jesus, where their thinking can be transformed, where they can see the world in a whole new way and they can step into their destiny because they don't just see themselves in their brokenness. They see themselves as God sees them. They think God's thoughts about themselves, that they are forgiven and that he has a plan and a purpose for them and they are well-loved and he is well-pleased. This is Ephesians 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved and gave himself for us as a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. To do our best, we must believe the best. Apostle Paul breaks this down the best, 1 Corinthians 13. It's a love chapter. You probably heard it at weddings. Uh, but in the spiritual gifts chapter, which is the chapter 4 in 1 Corinthians 12, he's addressing the same thought that he was addressing early in Romans, is not to think of yourself more highly than others because of your gift, but that the, the primary thing that should drive us as a church is love, and that we believe the best in one another, and that we're building one another up. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures every circumstance. This is the church. This is the church that Jesus wants us to be. And I can tell you that's the kind of church that I want to attend. I want to give you some quick thoughts. What does it look like to build uh, a life of honor? Okay, and a uh, big shout out to Pastor Javen Chavez, City Lights Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, for some of these thoughts, okay? This is going to be really quick. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, I can hear you. Let's go. It's a, first, let's be unapologetically honorable. So we honor the leadership in our lives, in every sphere, from your parents, to your teachers, to your boss, your employer, your government officials. Why don't we use social media as a tool for encouragement? You wanna live a life of honor, refuse to gossip. Celebrate the strengths of others publicly. And for yourself, work on your weaknesses. And if you're in a position of leadership, and somebody's life is entrusted with you, whether it's in your home or at work or in another sphere, work with that person on their weaknesses privately. Model loyalty. Be the person that you want others to be. Speak well of others. And when you're trying to establish or build a culture of honor, whether it's in your home, your business, your office, at school, or at church. And what we're trying to build here, this is what we do. We focus on love more than honor. We focus on humility more than honor. We focus on Jesus more than honor. Because honor will flow from these things. Well, thank you so much for listening in on the Saints Church Podcast. Be sure to tune in next time and enjoy the rest of your day.